Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Well, welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Abbott, and it's a new month. So today is the day where we go through our verse and we talk about it in its context and really kind of help you understand the significance of the verse that you're memorizing with us so that you can rightly understand it and apply it to your life. So we are jumping into the book of Jeremiah today. Our verse this month is Jeremiah 31.3b. So it's the second half of the verse. And it says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So my daughter Esther used to say all the time when she was little, I love love. So anytime Jason and I were going on a date or we were affectionate with one another, gave each other a hug or whatever in front of her, she would say, I love love. And it was just like the sweetest thing that you ever saw. This little girl who just was infatuated with the idea of love. And I feel like that's a lot about what our verse is. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Who doesn't want that kind of love? I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And honestly, this is just such a beautiful message. And it is very true. But We want to understand it rightly by placing it in the right context. I could say, I love chocolate or I love Jason Abbott. And the difference in that meaning of the word love is going to change a whole lot, right? What I'm saying I love is going to change when I attach that rest of the verse. I love chocolate versus I love Jason Abbott, my husband. And even within the context of my own marriage with my husband, that that phrase, I love Jason Abbott, has changed a lot. We have been married for 23 years. And I have to say, the first time I said I love Jason Abbott was much different than the way that I say I love Jason Abbott now, right? The first time I said that, it was you know, this infatuated, excited newness. Um, But when we got married and I said, I love Jason Abbott, I want to be with him for the rest of my life. That was a huge commitment that I made. And the weightiness of that phrase changed. And now 23 years later, um, over the course of our faithful marriage with one another, when I say I love Jason Abbott, there is more depth and meaning and beauty in that phrase. And hopefully 23 years more from now, I will still say I love Jason Abbott and that that love will have grown and the depth and the meaning behind that statement will have grown as well. Um, so we are looking at this verse about love. So who's talking here? We want to understand the context so that we can really grasp the fullness of this, of this statement, this beautiful statement. Um, so who's speaking? It's God. And you're like, yes, I thought so. And who is being spoken to? His people. And so again, it's like, yes, yes. Now I can take this first and I can run with it. This promise is for me. Um, And you wouldn't be wrong, but 
you would be missing out on the bigger story and the broader context of this verse. Um, and, and honestly, when we look at that bigger story, when we think about that broader context, this is where it starts to get a little more complicated. And I would maintain even more beautiful. Hey, my podcast friends, I just want to interrupt this episode and tell you some exciting news. We are giving you a podcast listener only exclusive discount. You can use the code podcast on our website all through February to take 25% off your purchase of one or both of our new necklaces made by our friends at Starfish Project. They remind us of God's love and care for us. They come from 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In Jeremiah 31.3b, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. What awesome words to be wearing around our necks. So you can learn more about the makers of these beautiful pieces by listening to our episodes with their founder, Jenny McGee, which is linked in the show notes below. And we hope you'll enjoy this gift as a special thank you for listening to the Dwell Differently podcast. Okay, so Jeremiah, if you're not familiar, was a prophet of God who lived like 600-ish years before Jesus, and God called him as a prophet or a mouthpiece to talk to his people, the people of Israel, and throughout the book, God uses this metaphor to talk about his people. Um, he uses the metaphor of a husband and a wife. Um, in Jeremiah 2.2, we see it, so right from the get-go. God has Jeremiah say this to his people. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. God says, you were my bride and you loved me and you were devoted to me and you followed me through the wilderness even. But we also see, if we keep reading in Jeremiah 2, that God says this of his people in verse 20, long ago, you broke off your yoke and tore off your bonds. You said, I will not serve you. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree, you lay down as a prostitute. So this image of, of God's people as a bride, as a wife gets distorted, right? Because all of a sudden, they are no longer devoted to the Lord. They are not chasing after them with, with him, uh, with, with love and affection. Instead, they have started chasing after other gods. So throughout the book of Jeremiah, we hear this impending judgment. It is a drumbeat again and again throughout the book. And he calls the people of God to give up their sins, to, to throw away their foreign gods and return to God. But again and again, they do not. Um, and you can follow much of the lonely story of Jeremiah in this book, because a lot of the story is, is Jeremiah talking to his people and, and acting these things. In fact, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 16, verse two, God tells Jeremiah this, you must not marry and have sons or daughters in this place. He says, don't go to parties or weddings or funerals as a sign of the sensation of normal life because impending doom is coming and those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore. So Jeremiah not only speaks the word of God, but he, he lives that those, those words out in many ways as, as a prophet who is also an example of, 
hey, this doom is coming. The drumbeat of, of judgment is getting closer and closer, like an army approaching the walls of the city. Um, and so uh, by the last chapter, chapter 52, we find that Jerusalem has fallen. The temple has been burned and is destroyed. And the people are now exile in Babylon. So what Jeremiah said, God said, the prophecies that he promised, they came to pass. And by the end of the book, the destruction of the city is final and the people have been sent away. Um, so we know that God has fulfilled what he's promised. Um, and, and in verse 519 says it this way, as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your own land, so now you will serve foreigners in a land not your own. This is the judgment of God. Because you have served these other gods, because you have um, prostituted yourself with these other gods, because you have not been faithful to me, um, you've served these foreign gods, I'm going to now send you to a foreign land. That is your discipline. That is my judgment. Um, and so you see this constantly throughout the book. It's just coming and coming and coming and coming. Um, but there is another beat besides the drumbeat of impending judgment. And it is a heartbeat. It is the heartbeat of God for his people. And God says in Jeremiah 3.14, we see it throughout the book. He says, return faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. He is heartbroken and he longs for their return. Return faithless people, for I am your husband. And though his wife has been faithless, God cannot be so. He is faithful. His love, like we learn in our verse, is eternal. His kindness is long-suffering and unfailing, even when there is impending judgment. So throughout the book, you see the drumbeat of judgment, and yet you also see the heartbeat of God's love for his people. So um, in chapters 30 through 33, we most clearly see this. It's, it's like God takes a break from all of the judgment that he's calling down. And he says, this is what restoration is going to look like. This is what my love is going to bring about. This is what the, the, the judgment and the discipline in me sending you away is going to bring about. It's going to bring about restoration. So in those chapters, while the city is under siege and Jeremiah is actually in prison under the wicked king, God says to Jeremiah, go buy a field. And just like Jeremiah was forbidden to marry and to have children in that city because those things are going to cease, he also says, buy a field um, because normal life will return. Um, in Jeremiah 32, 37, and 38, God says this, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. God promises that he will gather his people up and he will bring them back. And as a sign of that restoration, God says, Jeremiah, go buy a field. So um, that is the context of our verse. And I hope that you see how, because we find it in the midst of this mess, that that is a beautiful 
good news message for us because we, like the people in Jeremiah's time, are messy too. Um, so I want to read our verse in its immediate context so we can we can see something beautiful in it. Um, so starting in verse one, it says this of, of chapter 31, where we find our verse. It says this, at that time declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they will be my people. In verse two, it says this, this is what the Lord says. The people who survived the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Now hear this. I will build you up again and you virgin Israel will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful, declares the Lord. Did you hear that? God is not referring to Israel as a prostitute anymore, but as a virgin. He says, you have been made clean and I have made it so. I am the God alone who can forgive and give grace. And we know, though, that that in that time, this was not a permanent fix, right? This is, again, some 600 years before Jesus, um, but that God, in the midst of these chapters, makes a covenant. He makes another promise. He talks about a branch from the line of David who would be called, the Lord is our righteousness. So just like our verse says, that is a picture of the eternal love of God, the unfailing kindness of his people brought to its fullest expression. And we see that in the work and in the person of Jesus Christ. We see that the unfailing kindness of the Lord is, is worked out in the kindness of our Lord who gave his righteous life. The Lord is our righteousness and sacrificed it on our behalf so that we could have his righteousness. So this is the message of our verse, not a verse of love from a faithful God to a dutiful, righteous people, but eternally unfailing love to a faithless people. The unfailing kindness of our God, the unfailing love of our God to even us, a people who often are a mess. Um, and, and this is the heartbeat of our God for any who would accept Jesus. There is no one too far. There is no sin too big. So as you say this verse to yourself, as you share it with other people, would that be your heartbeat? Would that be the way that you understand this verse? That this is a verse not it's spoken to us in, in a place of perfection and goodness and righteousness, but a place of mess and of need and even of God's rebuke in the midst of their sin. God says this to them. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Would we experience this everlasting love? Would we live in the unfailing 
kindness of our Lord. And as we memorize and meditate on this verse this month, I pray that that would be our understanding, that this would kind of just fill out, put flesh on the bones of how we understand the love of God for us, and that we would be the kind of people who would, in this season of all of the lovely things and Valentine's Day and all of that, that we would be sharing the everlasting love, that we would be speaking of the unfailing kindness of our Lord. So let's do that. Let's be about that this month. And um, I would just challenge you, maybe maybe there's one person that you can can talk about this with, one person that you could pray for um, and just ask God for an opportunity to share his love with that person. All right. Well, thanks for joining me this month. I'm so glad to be here with you. And we just are so honored to be able to memorize and talk about God's word with you. Thanks for listening, friends. I have a little public service announcement for you. If you have never been to our website, dwelldifferently.com, you should go over there because we have all kinds of devotional resources there for you. We would just love for you to visit over there. We have year upon year upon year of verses that we have been memorizing. Every month we memorize one new verse. Every month we post at least four devotionals on that verse. So if you're thinking, I'd like to memorize a couple more verses or another verse every month, then that's a great way to do it. So go on over to dwelldifferently.com and check out all of our old resource content. Just go to the devotional page and you can find all kinds of stuff there. It's free and we just would love to help you connect with God in that way.